Well, good morning um, and welcome this morning. And thank you, uh, Dean, for that. Hopefully, am I on? I'm on, I think. I hope. Um, that the journey, for those of you men that um, aren't sure or haven't checked that out yet, haven't become a part of the journey, I, I encourage you to do so. It's a powerful, powerful um, tool. It's a powerful group of men that are getting together just to uh, deepen their walk um, with the Lord. So I encourage you men, if you have not done so, please stop and see Dean, see one of the men that are involved um, after service this morning. Uh, well, I want to welcome you this morning. Um, here, our pastor is away. Um, pastor Craig is away. He's actually had a planned um, some downtime. Him and Lisa, we're going to go to the Bahamas with Mark and Lori and just spend some, uh, some much-needed downtime, some time to uh, relax and um, just be with, be with each other, spend some time together. Um, God changed things a little bit um, in the fact that the, the hurricane uh, ripped through the Bahamas and, and we all know kind of what Dorian had done there and so Mark and Lori have been down there and Pastor Craig and uh, Lisa are also down there and they're, they're helping um, uh, this week, uh, in the next uh, several days they'll be down there. Um, keep them in prayer. Um, as they do what they do so well, what they've been called to do for so many years, which is to serve and help. But pray for some downtime for them too. Pray for some rest and some time for them um, to spend with each other. So keep them in prayer uh, this coming week and um, into, through the weekend. Um, we're in the middle, or we're in the end actually. We're in the end. We're in the last, the seventh part of a seven-part series on motivational gifts. And today we're going to talk about the last, the seventh motivational gift, which is the gift of teaching. Um, we've been in this uh, series now, again, for six weeks. And, and today um, I'm, I'm going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, the gift of teaching. But here's something I just, I just want to share with you. And I want to, this is a little disclaimer at the beginning. Um, we will go through the gift of teaching. Yeah. And I'm going to do a wrap-up. And I'm going to wrap up the, the series that we've been on. The, the gifts, the motivational gifts that have been given to us, to you, to the church. Um, but I, I want to just share this. Um, you know, as you prepare, those of you that have had a chance to maybe speak or be up front here before, um, you prepare notes, you prepare a message, and sometimes God brings you in a different direction. And I'm going to share with you, I'm going to be transparent with you. Um, the Holy Spirit has been downloading into me um, for two days now. And we may go in a little bit different direction, but it will tie together. But I just want to ask you today, I hope you came today to hear, because I'm going to tell you this. This is what I know. The downloading that the Holy Spirit has done on me isn't for Kevin. It isn't just for me. Believe me, I'm not worthy. The things we're going to hear today, the things that the Holy Spirit has given me is for the church. It's for us. It's for each and every one of us. And I'm going to share with you today. I'm going to use one of the gifts, honestly. I'm going to use a gift of teaching. I'm going to use a gift. We saw gifts used here this morning. Tremendous, powerful gifts. Encouraging words from one of our sisters. Prayer this morning. A lot of gifts used this morning. And so today, I hope you came not like, and I'm not saying this understand what I say, but not like any other Sunday. You know, maybe sometimes we're that way. Sundays can be, it's another Sunday. It's another day to be in church. It's another day to go through the motions. And you sit, and we sit, and I sit by default wondering, oh, I wonder what will happen today. What's God going to do today? What's, what's worship going to be like today? What's the Word going to be like? And just by default, we're here. Well, I'm here to tell you, we're going to shake some things up this morning a bit. 
and I'm asking you for a little freedom to do that. I'm going to challenge this morning. I'm not going to challenge. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is going to challenge us this morning. So we're in the middle. We're, we're wrapping up a uh, series on the motivational gifts. We heard first week it was a gift of mercy, right? We heard about the gift of mercy, and that's a person that is sensitive to the emotional and spiritual needs of others. We heard about the gift of prophecy and how that applies to the word of applying the word of God to a situation so that sin is exposed and relationships are restored. We heard about the motivational gift of serving, driven to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. We have many, many servers in this church. The gift of exhortation, wanting to see believers grow to spiritual maturity, someone sharing a word. The gift of organizing or leading, able to accomplish tasks and solve problems through analyzing and through delegation. The gift of giving we heard last week. The gift of giving, that person wants to use financial resources wisely in order to meet the needs of others or needs of the body. And finally today, the motivational gift of teaching. Teaching is someone that's passionate about discovering and validating the truth. So we're going through this series on gifts. Why? Because you each, we each have a gift. We are each called to use those gifts. We have at least one. And as I said a moment ago, too often in life I think we're, we go through motions. We go through motions in our own life, through work, things seem mundane. Same routines. And sometimes the things can happen in the church that way. Things can be mundane. Each week we come in, maybe expecting something, but not really sure. We lack intention about what we do. We lack purpose for why you're really here. And so I'm here to challenge this morning, here to talk about the gift of teaching. But as I wrap up, we're going to talk about the gifts. We've all been given a gift. We've all been given a gift and we're all to be using that gift. God makes believers aware of his needs, of needs that he wants to meet through those motivational gifts. He wants to meet needs through those motivational gifts. He needs you and I to be using those gifts. And I'm asking you this morning, are you using yours? As I went through that list, we're on week seven. We're on week seven, we're on teaching today. Have you identified your gift? Is it prophecy? Is it serving? Is it exhortation? Is it giving? Is it organizing? Is it mercy? Or perhaps maybe it's teaching. Are you using that gift? Because that's how God meets the needs of his people when we're practicing and utilizing our gifts. First Corinthians, uh, Chapter 12 talks about gifts as well. We're, we're in the text of uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 8, where it talks about the motivational gifts. Paul also, in his letter to the Corinthians, talks about gifts. And in his letter, which I'm going to come back to at the end, addresses certain issues and topics that were at the church going on in Corinth at that time. He provides instruction for living and for working together as a body. He talks about how we are like a body, doesn't he? Those of you that are familiar with the passage the hands and arms and legs and fingers and toes and neck and heart and all of our organs, right? We work together as a body. And the church is like that. The church is a body. 
we all have a part to play. Have you ever injured a finger and know how that can affect your entire body? Have you ever had a toothache, something as small as a tooth? Ever had a severe toothache, infection in that tooth? It affects your whole body. You are a body. We are all a body of believers. We are not individuals per se. We affect each other. I affect you when I'm not using a gift. You affect the body when you're not using your gift. You may be the one that's called at that time to use that gift. And the church may suffer when we don't. And we'll, we'll see that. We're going to get to that. We're going to come back to that in, in, when I wrap up. But first, I want to get into the teaching today, which is on the gift of teaching. Romans 12, 6 and 7 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And Paul goes through the litany, and he says, The one who teaches in his teaching. You're also going to notice today, I have no slides. There are no slides. This gives you a chance to focus, not on me. Focus on the words today. Just focus on the words today. Close your eyes if you want. Close your eyes and listen. Because I think the Holy Spirit has something for each one of us. I know he does. I don't think he does. I know he does. And also in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. It says, And he gave some teachers for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 28. And God hath set some in the church as teachers. So we find the gift of teaching throughout scripture. The Greek term is the word didasko, didasko. In classical Greek, this is the word spoke of action. It spoke of the actions of a teacher whose concern was to develop the abilities of his or her pupils to impart to them knowledge or skill. In the Christian concept, it takes on a little bit different meaning. Rather than emphasizing on the communication of knowledge and skill, it looks instead toward instructing people how to live. The objective of the teacher is to point out the will of God according to the scriptures and to promote obedience to the will of God. So perhaps you're here today and you have the gift of teaching. We have many wonderful teachers in this church, in women's studies, in men's studies, in other Bible studies, men that have uh, spoken up here. We have many teachers in the church and maybe you have the gift of teaching and have not utilized it yet. Hopefully this morning the Holy Spirit may prick you to discover or try and see if that is a gift of yours. A teacher's basic motivational drive is to discover and validate truth. And there are some strengths. And one of the things I, I'm going to point out, this is another little disclaimer, I, I, we're going to go through the gift of teaching and there's a list kind of like we've been doing with every one of the gifts, some strengths, some weaknesses, the goal of sharing and being up here is to help you, to help us identify what is my gift? What is it that I should be doing for the body? And I'm going to go through this. And like I said, though, the Holy Spirit is going to wrap this up in a way um, in the end. that uh, So please don't feel like I'm running through this list quickly. I, I don't mean to at all. Uh, but we're going to go through some strengths and some weaknesses of a teacher. And at the end of today, I hope everybody walks out of here with a challenge to discover, A, what their gift is, if you haven't found it yet, at least one. 
and to begin to seek and pray and cry out to God and pray to the Holy Spirit and ask him for wisdom, ask him for guidance, ask him for revelation as to what you should be doing. So teachers, teachers' strengths, they love to start, spend time in study and in preparation. Do you love to study? Do you love reading your word? Those of you that mark your Bible, you, you're constantly marking up the Bible and you're studying, you could be a teacher. It doesn't mean you're a teacher, but you could be. Teachers love that. They love to dig into the word and mark and make notes. They love to work hard with details and organize material. They love details and organizing materials. They search for illustrations. They search for illustrations that make their material more meaningful. So as well as just imparting knowledge directly from the Word of God, just reading scripture, they're using real life experiences. They're using illustrations to help people understand. A good teacher will help make sense of the Word of God. They look for those illustrations to make that meaning material more meaningful. Teachers keep the church focused on truth. They keep the church focused on truth. It's easy today, isn't it? It's easy today to see so many things, so many choices, so many opinions, so many teachers. It's easy to look around and see so many various truths, if you will. Don't they tell us truth is relative, right? <laughs> but the teacher in the church is focused on biblical truth, the truth. They're focused on the truth and they point constantly back to the truth. They create an atmosphere where students feel free to raise questions of any kind without fear of embarrassment. So teachers create an atmosphere or an environment conducive to learning, conducive to asking questions, not afraid of those questions. They, never, they have a fear, uh, they're not feeling threatened or defensive when criticism comes or a tough question. A teacher, if you're a teacher, they shouldn't be afraid of those types of questions. So as you're going through in your mind, am I a teacher? Again, these are some strengths that you may or may not have. It doesn't mean you have every single one of them, but these are the things that you should be asking yourself. They have the fear of projecting an attitude that could be interpreted as manipulation or humiliation. They protect against that. Teachers protect against feeling like they're manipulating or a perception that they're manipulating um, the data. A teacher is passionate, passionate, passionate about correcting error. So those, some of you in here, passionate about correcting area, error, you see error in the church, you see something wrong, and you're quick, or you're passionate about pointing that out. A teacher is passionate about that. If you're also a teacher, teachers also maybe like to stick to original language. Uh, so sticking to the original interpretation, the original language in God's word, teachers will often do that. And so those are some of the strengths of a teacher, the gift of teaching. One of the things I want to say too, just a reminder, that as we went through, as we've gone through the various motivational gifts, there are times when we're looking down through the list of strengths that you might say, oh yeah, I, I have that, I do that. And, and maybe you look at weaknesses and say, oh yeah, I have that too. So again, every one of us is going to have some piece of these 
And every one of us, when we talk about the motivational gifts of teaching, for instance, do you know every one of us should be a teacher? Every one of us should be reading the Word of God, understanding what it says, and sharing that with other people. That is teaching. It does the, it's different from the gift of teaching. Just like all of the gifts. The gifts last week, we talked about the gift of giving. The person, we're all to be givers. All of us are to give. All of us are to tithe. And Pastor Craig spent some time on that. The gift of giving is much different than just the responsibility of a believer to give. Does that make sense? That makes sense to everybody? So we all have pieces of these. We're all called to use them at certain times. We're all called to serve, for instance. But having the gift of serving is a much higher calling than just being called to serve. We're all to serve and we're all to use our gifts. We're all to use our gifts in the body as we're going to see in a moment. But it may be different than the gift that we're talking about. Weaknesses. Teachers can confuse knowledge with wisdom. Teachers can confuse knowledge with wisdom. Two entirely different things. Knowledge is information, knowledge is data. Um, wisdom is applying that knowledge to circumstances or experiences in life, right? There's a big difference. So teachers can confuse, if they're not careful, they can confuse the two, confusing knowledge and wisdom. They can become proud. They can become proud of their knowledge. It would be easy for teachers to develop an attitude of pride as a result of all their learning. Um, knowledge puffeth up, but love edifies, right? Knowledge puffs up, love edifies. So teachers, if they're not careful, a weakness can be that they can become proud of their knowledge. Despising practical wisdom of uneducated people. A teacher may tend to discount any learning which does not take place in the classroom. And the Jews marveled, saying, how, know, how does this man know all these words, having never learned, they said of Jesus as he spoke. Number three, weakness, communicating skepticism toward other teachers. The attitude of a teacher can easily be, it isn't right until I check it out and say it's right. <laughs> so they can say, I, I need to check that out. And so their, their knowledge, they're communicating skepticism towards others. And again, these are weaknesses of teachers. I'm criticizing sound teaching because of technical flaws. Um, it, it is difficult. It is difficult for a teacher to endorse the teaching of others if he's able to spot out little factual errors um, and they can criticize the entire teaching when indeed the teaching may have been may be sound, it may be solid teaching, but if there's a little bit of a flaw here or there, they'll, they're quick to point that out. So that can also be a weakness. They depend on human reasoning sometimes rather than the Holy Spirit's teaching. The primary tool that a teacher has is their mind that's the primary tool that a teacher has is their mind, yet God warns us not to lean on our own understanding, correct? He says, in all, in all your ways acknowledge me. So they can depend on human reasoning rather than the Holy Spirit's teaching. Giving information which pr lacks practical application. So, kind of like just spewing out a bunch of lists of weaknesses, <laughs> right? We're just going through a list giving information which lacks practical application. So, so far there hasn't been a lot of teaching. We're going through a list of these are the weaknesses of a teacher, but if I was to just stop there and we were to wrap up and say have a good day, that wouldn't do a whole lot for you. So that, that's what that's saying. So it can be, that's a weakness of a teacher. Can really just impart information, impart knowledge. That's just something to guard against if you feel, if you're a teacher, if you feel you have the gift of teaching, is to guard against, is protect against, to watch out for that. 
bringing listeners, um, boring listeners, with details of research. So they could, they're information driven, they're data driven, and teachers can really pour out a bunch of information that can just make you glaze over. That's some examples of the weaknesses of being a teacher. So again, just to recap, some strengths. Love spending time in study and preparing. Love details, organizing materials. Searching for material that makes the, the uh, searching for illustrations that make the material more interesting, more meaningful. So real life application. Um, these are some strengths that teachers have. Focused on truth. Focused on truth. Creating an atmosphere of learning where people aren't afraid to ask questions. And they're not feeling threatened when criticism comes or questions, tough, difficult questions come. These are strengths of a teacher. Do you have those? Maybe you do. Maybe you're sitting in here and you think you have some of these. I would challenge you to begin to explore. If you're sitting here this morning and we've gone through or are going to go through seven of the motivational gifts that Paul talks about in Romans, and you're still uncertain, I challenge you to do the work, put in the hard work. And oftentimes, we want to sit and just wait for revelation, wait for something from the Holy Spirit to come, to be revealed to us. God, tell me what it is. I'm going to tell you something, that you need to step out and try something and not be afraid to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to try teaching. You're going to try leading a life group. You're going to try teaching a men's study. You're going to try serving, maybe. If it fails, if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean you don't have that gift, but it might be that isn't your gifting. But you have to step out. You have to do your part. We can't sit back and wait for God to just reveal that to us. Jesus, right, the greatest teacher of all. His examples, he was called teacher by his disciples, by Nicodemus. He spent much time teaching people. Jesus taught his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus possessed the ability to clarify truth. Again, we talked about that a moment ago. It's easy in today's world to be confused. And it's going to get worse and worse and harder and harder to discern and understand the truth of God's word. I know you have to be in it. You have to be in it. You can't just rely on, again, the Holy Spirit. He will download. He will, you will hear directly from him. You need to be in God's word to know the truth. Jesus possessed the ability to clarify the truth. You know, church, we need that today. In the world we live in today, we need teachers and leaders that aren't afraid to stand on the truth and can clarify and rightfully divide the word, right? We have to have that. It's important. Jesus was our example. He had the desire to make clear the source of his authority. Very clear the source of his authority, his father. That was the source that he had. He made it very clear. And he never ignored the importance of applying biblical truth to practical Christian living. Never ignored that. He applied biblical truths to practical Christian living. And as teachers, that's the point. <laughs> we don't read God's word to puff ourselves up, to get knowledge, to just no, 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 no. It's how we live. We take that and we apply it to our lives. We teach others how to apply it to their life. That's wisdom. That's using that. That's using that teaching, using the truths of God's word 
to practical Christian living. He never became proud of his knowledge and he never isolated himself from others. So do you love the world of books, of learning, of data, or of information? Is that you? Perhaps you have the gift of teaching. Do you desire to share that? Do you desire to share what God, what you read in the Word, what you study, how the Holy Spirit speaks to you? Do you desire to share that with others? Perhaps you have the gift of teaching. Do you want to make an investment into the kingdom of God? Do you see the importance of doing that and understanding that's an investment? That's an investment into the kingdom work. Perhaps you have the gift of teaching. And God is wanting to use you. As with each of the spiritual gifts that we've discussed, we all may have parts of each one, as I said. But we're all called to serve, we're all called to give, we're all called to teach on some level, but we may not have that specific gift. The gifts are much different than the responsibility that we have as believers. Yes, we're to do all those things, yes. But we may not have that gift. Discover what your gift is. You are included. There's a sense in which every Christian is to be a teacher, right? Let the word of Christ dwell within you, teaching and admonishing one another. Colossians 3.16, teaching and admonishing one another. We're all called to be a teacher. God wants each of us to learn the Bible sufficiently to be able to explain it to others and to share with them insights that the Lord has shown us. We're called to all be a teacher on some level. But again, I challenge you today even, in the coming days and week, don't let this seven-week series just be another seven-week series that two weeks from now you'll forget what we were even talking about. And this is for me as well. And now I'm going to get into the stuff the Holy Spirit spoke to me about. Don't let this be just another series. I'm challenging you this morning. Before you walk out the doors, do you know? Are you using your gift? Are you using one of the seven motivational gifts? You have one. You have at least one. Are you using it? Are you using your gift? Maybe you don't know it. Maybe you're not sure. Spend some time. It's important to know that. Be intentional. One thing we lack is intentionality. Things happen by default, I think, far too often. God, God calls us to be part of an abundant life. Abundant life. That means so many things, but I can tell you part of that is being intentional and walking around with purpose. Walking through these doors with purpose. Not walking through the doors by default. It's just another Sunday, I'm going through the motions, I'm supposed to be here on Sunday morning, I'm supposed to worship, I'm supposed to give, and I'm supposed to listen to a word and then go home. That's default. That's just coming through and wondering what God has in store. I'm going to ask you and I'm going to challenge you to be more intentional about your faith, live with purpose, and gain an understanding of what it is that God has gifted you for to do in this body. Because God has called us to be a body. I'm going to get into Corinthians a little bit. Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. There was a lot going on. There were a lot of problems at the church at that time in Corinth. Those of you that are familiar with the book of Corinthians, he starts right out, I believe, in chapter 1, and I'm going to 
if I can find it, I'm going to turn to it. And bear with me as I flip pages and do those things because I'm going to just be led um, by the Holy Spirit where he leads me. And this is one place I wasn't sure I was going. But So he says this in, in chapter 1. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you might be perfectly united. You know, Paul spent some time also in Ephesians on talking about the unity of the body and protecting and working for unity at all cost. Protect the unity of the body. So guess what? The church in Corinth, they had divisions. They had problems. They had issues. A lot of his book, a lot of his letter addresses those issues. Church, we, we have issues. We have issues. We have division. We've had people that have left the church. We have strife. We have division. So the church at Corinth, and those of you that have maybe sat in a class with me before, I'll, I'll say this often. We often look, we look, at, we look at the people, we look at the characters in the Bible, and God's Word. We look at the, the churches, the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus. And somehow we think they're like larger than life. Oh, that, that's, one of the, that's, the Bible, that's one of the Bible churches, though. Because <laughs> the church that's in the Bible, well, they're, they're somehow... No. The church at Corinth was us. They were just people. They weren't somehow special. They weren't the Bible churches. They're in the Bible. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing special or different about them. Same with the people. Same with the people that we read about in God's Word. They're no different than you or I. They were flawed human beings that sinned, that blew it, that made mistakes. The church at Corinth had issues. And Paul addresses them. Going, I'm going to get into chapter 12. But if you back up even into chapter 10, he's talking to them about idols and having idols. And he's talking to them about their freedom that they have in Christ and all that you do should do it, do it for the glory of God. And he talks in chapter 11, he gets into um, propriety and, and worship. He talks about the Lord's Supper and he talks about, he says this, he says, in the following directives, so here you go. So this is Paul. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. <laughs> I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. And as I'm reading... Please see if you can relate. See if we can relate today. Your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. There are divisions among you. I have no praise for you, Paul says. He says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat or drink in? And he goes through this whole teaching, and he's talking about the Lord's Supper, and he's talking about how you should do it. And as a church, he's saying, church at Corinth, stop, stop it. Stop it. You're a family. You're a body. <clears throat> he gets into chapter 12, and he says, now, about spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant. So he's going to go through a litany of teaching on spiritual gifts. And again, there were people that thought one gift was more than the other, and if I had this gift, I'm somehow more than that person, and that person's less than me. These are the divisions that were happening. And I'm not saying we specifically have those here. I'm talking just division in general and lack of unity in the body and what it means to be a body of believers, a body 
that has been called to be a body. A body that is made up of many parts. And every part sitting in these chairs this morning, you're a part of this body. You affect me, I affect you. And if I'm not functioning, you're suffering for it. If you're not functioning in your gift, we're suffering for it. I hope you hear me this morning. As a body of believers, there's a calling. There's a calling on our individual life. There's a calling for each one of us. But as a body, we have some work to do. We have a job to do. And I'm not specifically talking about Centerpoint Community Church, just this church. The church has some work to do. The church isn't functioning like a body. The church is not functioning like a body. Paul says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Do you feel like you belong to this body? Do you have responsibility to this body? Are you a foot saying, well, I'm not a hand? Are you a hand saying I'm not a foot? I hope not. We're all one body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He's called each one of you here, specifically, for a specific person for such a time as this. You have been called to this body if you're part of this body. Maybe you're visiting today. If you're visiting today, just enjoy the word. <laughs> but he has called us specifically, members and regular attenders of Centerpoint Community Church. You are part of a body. You have a responsibility to the body. Verse 26, he says this. If one part suffers, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Let that sink in. If one of us is suffering, if one of us is hurting, if one of us is stumbling, we all suffer. That's not me saying that. That's the Word of God. We all suffer. If my tooth hurts, can I ignore it? I can try. I've got to take care of my tooth to make my body whole. If we have people in this church suffering, if we have people maybe not using their gifts, maybe because they're suffering, maybe because they're hurting, maybe because they're broken, maybe because they don't know their gift, we all suffer. And I wonder, is that the problem? I hear so many people say, we've heard it in Christian circles for a long time. 
We're not seeing. We're not seeing the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not seeing manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Why? Where is it? Well, perhaps we're not functioning as a body the way we should be. Oh, maybe individually. Maybe individually. I'm not challenging. Maybe individually you're in your word and you're praying to the Lord and you're... But you are part of a body. God does works and manifestations through the Holy Spirit come when? See, I think oftentimes when we think of that, we think just in our prayer time, and God, I want to see a miracle. I want to see answered prayer in my life. I want to see, and oh, I'm, not, I'm just not seeing the... Do you know the manifestations of the Holy Spirit happen when you're using your gifts? They happen when someone is teaching a powerful word. They happen when somebody is prophesying. They happen when someone is exhorting. They happen when you're using your gifts. So if we're not seeing manifestations, if we're not seeing the power of the Holy Spirit, perhaps it's time we look in the mirror collectively and we say, am I using my gift? Am I serving my church? Am I serving the body? When one suffers, this is what stuck with me, when one suffers, we all suffer. We should take an interest in each other through our suffering. It's too easy to not. It's too easy to not. It's easier to not get involved. It's easier to criticize. It's easier to question. It's easier to... And I'm saying this for me. Please don't... I think as a church as a whole, the church, God's church, I said this a bunch of weeks back when I had the chance to be up here. I think the church doesn't do well. I don't think the church does well when people are suffering and hurting. I don't. Why do I say that? How do, what do I say that based on? Because I think too many people leave churches. Why are so many people leaving churches? Not just this church. Why does that happen? And what happens when they do? Do we have broken relationships? Yeah. We don't talk to them anymore. We don't see them anymore. We don't do that well. When we're suffering, it's time to rally. It's time to unite. If one of my daughters, we have a family. If one of my daughters is hurting, it isn't time to kick her when she's down. And I'm not saying you individually, anybody has done that. As a church, though, I'm challenging and questioning. We have to do a better job at understanding that we are a body. We are a body. And if we're not functioning, it's probably because parts of the body, that's what Paul says, aren't functioning. When one suffers, we all suffer. And so to wrap up, we've gone through a series on spiritual gifts, motivational gifts, in particularly, the seven motivational gifts. And those motivational gifts are to be used to edify and build up the body. That's us. That's what they're supposed to be used for, to edify, to build up. And when one of us, or when two of us, or five of us, or seven of us, or 20 of us aren't using those gifts, we all suffer. 
we all suffer. So this is not to say that we walk out of here with our heads hung. It's a challenge from the Lord. It's a challenge from Him. He wants so desperately to pour out, to pour into, to build this body, to build His kingdom. And the challenge for us, the challenge for me, the challenge for you is to ask, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? How can I help build the unity and not add to the dissension? How can I do that? What am I supposed to be doing? So for you, I challenge you this week to ask yourself that. I challenge each one of us also, as we recognize in our friends, we recognize in our fellow believers and the people of our body, as we recognize certain giftings, to let them know, help them, encourage them along to discover their gift, their particular gift set. I feel this, and I'll say I believe, I believe this very firmly, and I believe this through the Holy Spirit. I think, church, if we begin to really be intentional and live with purpose and understanding that we have a purpose, we have, we're called here for a reason, we have a gift, it's too easy to sit on our hands and say, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. Listen, we all do it. I know there's men in here that I can see, I've had this conversation with them. Uh, through Dean with the journey, you know, some of the men, we talked about this. What's one of the things, inadequacy, right? We feel inadequate, inept. I'm not gift, I don't know. But I challenge you to renew your mind. That's not the Holy Spirit talking to you. That's not the Holy Spirit giving you that. That's the enemy. The enemy wants you to see you sit on your hands. The enemy wants us to stay doing what we're doing, which is for some of you, and again, I'm not, there's a lot of people, many of you, maybe all of you, serving in many, many ways. I'm just challenging you to take a step up. I think we need to do more as a body. I think we need to do more as believers. I think we need to do a better job at recognizing those that are suffering and recognizing that when those around us suffer, we suffer as well. So let's have our hearts and our minds set on unity have our hearts and our minds set on helping each other discover what it is that our gift is, what it is that you're called here to center point to do. And when we begin to use those, I think we'll see the Holy Spirit pour out amazing things at this church. We will see signs and wonders that we all talk about and wonder and we don't see enough of. And I believe because there's a move of God that wants to happen, that he's ready but I think he wants us to be ready. I think he needs us to do something. We had a, people this morning following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, giving in words of encouragement and praying over people. You have those sometimes. I have those sometimes. And we make excuses, we make reasons, we say, ah, it's probably not for them. <laughs> oh, is that really you, God? Step out. Step out. Discover what it is that God has given you a gifting for. Why? Because we all need it. We need you 
to work in your gifting. Please stand to your feet this morning. Let's pray. God, I just love you and praise you and we exalt you this morning and we thank you, God, for just your word this morning, God. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this church and for the wonderful things that this church does and how we serve in so many ways and we reach out to the community and we reach out around us to others that are hurting and we reach out to people in this church, God. And I just pray for just a refocus of who we are, what we're called to do, who we're called to be, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would use the teachings over the last six or seven weeks to just prick us and prompt us, Lord, to discover what it is that we should be doing. God, help us to use the gifts that you've been given, that have been given to us by you. God, help us to serve. Help us to exhort. Help us to teach. Help us to use finances, Lord, to bless this ministry, bless other people if that's our gifting. To prophesy, Lord. God, I pray that you just work in each one of us. I pray that you nudge each one of us, that you convict each one of us, Lord, to do our part. God, I pray that we would recognize those parts of the body that are suffering, that need encouragement, not pointing out, but encouragement, Lord. Because when one suffers, we all suffer. God, I pray for the unity of this body. I pray for the unity of Centerpoint, each person here. God, I pray that you continue to have favor upon us. I continue to pray that you would just pour out blessing upon this church as we draw closer to you, as we discover our giftings, Lord, and, and as we operate in the gifts that you have given us. God, I pray that even as we walk out of these doors today, even as we walk out of this sanctuary, that your Holy Spirit would be working on us individually. I thank you in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you and have a great week. Be in prayer for Pastor and Lisa this week.